follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. We are glad that you could be with us, and guys, how are you doing today? Doing good. I'm doing good as well. I just got Splatoon 2, so I have been running around throwing paint on things all day. Mm. That's, that's one of those things, one of those phrases it's really good to have a qualifier for, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I uh, I recently purchased Streets of Rage four. How do you yeah. like that? Uh, oh, I only played the first level, and I realized like, wow, I'm really um, rusty at these type of uh, side scrolling beat 'em up games because I I died a couple times, and I'm like, I don't think I really should have died a couple times in this game so far. Just is, the first is level. Is it like but... a, like a, in the vein of the old school side scroll beat 'em ups? It is. It's very much, and it, okay. it plays exactly like that, just with like uh, I guess more improved graphics, and it's fun. I don't think I it's fun so far. I don't think I've played a side scroller beat 'em up since um, the Scott Pilgrim game on 360. Hmm. Wow. I'm the old. yeah. There's. I've uh, I've got some. How did I? I was playing one not long ago, and I'm trying to remember what the circumstances were. Oh, well. So, uh, we want to say thank you all for joining us. Glad we could be with you. Hopefully we can provide a little bit of a uh, distraction for your mental health during this weird time that we're living in. So, uh, we want to give our shout-outs. Go ahead and get those out there. The first one is to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. That is CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's number four capital C and corners capital P and podcast. Save ten percent off your order, Matt. Who's up next? Uh, that would be to. I'm going to start. I may, maybe I'll start calling him Orlando Cologne since that's yeah. what he's going by now. Uh, but Orlando slash Epico Cologne, um, one of our favorites here. And I don't know if he has a favorite comic book art, uh, author. Oh. But I bet, you, I bet you, I bet you he does. Maybe it's uh, yeah. maybe it's Stan the Man Lee. <laughs> ah, Matt's always doing such a good job setting us up for what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about our favorite comic writers this evening. Who wrote the books that and the stories that really stand out to us? You know, I bet so, Orlando's a groove kind of guy. You think so? Yeah. I'm probably way off on that, but that's the. That I just felt like saying grew. <laughs> that's one I hadn't thought about in a long time. I remember that used to be on the spinner rack back when that was still with Marvel. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. 
that's how I first encountered that one. That was always that weird one, though. I don't think I've ever... I maybe have read one or two of them, but I've never... That's never been one I've... I've always wanted to try it, but... You know how it is, like, you just have that long list, like, Judge Dredd's on that list for me. Of Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. going to read that someday, and it's like, no, I'll probably die well before I ever crack <laughs> one of those open. All right, so um, what we're going to do is we had all kind of labored to come up with yeah, in the ballpark of five or so writers that we liked, um, and why the stories they did and their style and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, Brad, since you had brainstormed this topic, I was going to say, why don't you, uh, kick us off with the first, the first one on your list. So I, I, I left off manga people purposely, uh, for this. I stuck with kind of your more standard comic writer. When we get to honorable mentions, I will mention, a couple of the the manga writers, but I did intentionally leave them off. But I'm going to start with actually a guy that's local to where I live. Um, he wrote one of my favorite series from the 90s into, I want to say 2003, maybe 2004. Um, also one of my favorite Shazam miniseries. And uh, what was it? Razzle, which I didn't care for as much, but was still pretty good. But the the primary series that he is known for is Bone, which ran 50 or 60 issues kind of through, I want to say like 91 to 20, 2004, maybe, maybe 2003. Uh-huh. Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith. Did he do the Monster Society of Evil? Yes, he did. The one that uh, the, yes. the <laughs> prestige format, I think it was. Uh, let me see. I've got that on my shelf right here. Let me look. Shazam and the Monster Society. But I, uh, I like that Shazam series because he, he, unlike a lot of modern writers, really captures, I think, the the feel of some of the earlier Shazam stories that I've read. Yeah, there's there's a charm and kind of a whimsy that goes with it as well as the story. I was, I'm, I'm sorry, I know I've got to be coming in a little softer because I'm uh, looking at my comic shelf for it. Yeah, there it is. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, um, um, Bone is probably... I would say if you're a comic reader and you don't read Bone, then you need to you need to go out and you need to read it right now. It's a quick read. It's an excellent story. has a lot of good humor in it really kind of takes very cartoony characters and does a lot with them. Well, it's kind of like cartoony characters with kind of what I would say a very stylized but realistic, like, human population. Okay. Have either of you read Bone, out of curiosity? I read... Go ahead, Matt. I was about to interject and say uh, I actually have never read Bone. Oh, you can get the... You can get the... If you go to a half... If you you have half price nearby, they, they have the big omnibus with all of them in there and you can usually grab that for like 20-ish dollars i don't i think we've actually had this conversation offline before but i think i think half price is more of like a midwest type of uh establishment because i don't know of any that are around like the dc area there might be some in pennsylvania but that would be kind of far Uh, you're 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 missing out because that's that's a great place to find like games and um old dvds and and all that stuff do you have them shad 
Yes, I have one, uh, let me think, about 20 minutes from where I currently sit. The um, I was going to say, I have read the first few issues of Bone, like the, the beginning of the story kind of thing. Um, I have not gotten uh, super, you know, I, I hadn't gotten beyond that because... A friend had loaned it to me, and then I gave it back to him after I'd read that, and I just never got a chance to pick up more. So, uh, no no compunctions with it or anything, just didn't get the opportunity. That was one of my, like, I think we all have that journey where you kind of start with the Marvel and the DC, and then you kind of, at some point, veer off. I know it was a little weird, because we probably all started about the late 80s and early 90s so we probably hit that point earlier because like Valiant Image were so prevalent in the early 90s but uh, I kind of faded in and out over my over my life was in and out and in and out a lot of my comic reading came from uh, I'm sorry Brad I know whenever I interrupted you and I'll pass fine. back in a second but a lot of my comic reading came out of um, this gigantic box of comics that my grandfather had um my grandfather was a school teacher he taught about sixth grade okay that that's not actually accurate my grandfather ended teaching sixth grade my grandfather started teaching in a two-room schoolhouse with his wife on the other side and as the county got more uh better funded and that sort of thing. Then he ended up teaching sixth grade and he taught that, you know, he, he had the same room in the school for the same corner room in the school for something like you know, 20 years. But he had these comics that started out as my dad's collection and then became the, um, he would just get more because he couldn't get the, the boys in his class to read any anything except comic books. But his thing was, if they're reading comics, then they're reading. And that's the important thing. So I had all of these old you know, Superman stuff to read and Sergeant Rock and the Easy Company. And that is where my brother and I discovered a copy of First Appearance of Wolverine tucked in that stack, which we have locked away now. Um, I, have, I have a copy of the first appearance of Wolverine. It's in very bad shape. Probably the the crown of my collection that's worth, I think it's over a thousand now. I have a pristine, well, it, whatever they call it now. I have a very good shape copy of Giant Size X Men number one. Oh, cool. Hmm. Um, I don't really have a, a much in the way of a crown jewel in my collection, but we'll I'll, we'll circle back to that. Um, the but that's where I found it, and so my my comic reading varied widely, uh, just from what was available at the time. So I'm sorry, Brad. I, I jumped into your bone thing to go on a little memory lane. Can I um? Can I th- before you guys move on? Can I throw out my uh, crown jewel? You go for it. Go for it. Uh, as my I wife and I, I have been married. Yeah, my wife and I have been married um, since 2014. So it'll be our six year coming up. Uh, the summer but mm-hmm. as a uh, as a engagement gift kind of, well I, I guess it's engagement slash wedding gift my wife got me iron man 55 the first yep. appearance of thanos 
and I don't have it graded, but uh, I it's it it's in such good condition. I'm sure it's like a, a really high grade. So um, I would never part with that though, because I was a sentimental value. But that's like my crown jewel. I am. Uh, I guess if I was going to have a crown crown jewel, um, I would have to say that I have a. As far as I can tell, mint condition first run copy of the um, the oversized Shazam Power of Hope uh, comics that um, Paul Dini and uh, Alex Ross did. Okay. So that's if I was gonna if I was gonna say one is Crown Jewel, it's gonna be that one. <clears throat> I actually have two copies. I have a copy that I let people read, and then I <laughs> I have the one that. Remains on the shelf and no one touches. Well, that's kind of... I, I don't really collect anymore uh, just because I don't have the space or really the time yeah. to hunt things down, but... Same. Usually, it's also very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very. And it's worse than it used to be because mm-hmm. while, while the comic industry, no one really buys a lot anymore, the back issues have gotten exponentially more expensive. Yeah. Um, but, like... There's there's kind of like so if someone's listening to this that's not a collector so usually what happens is like let's say because it's it's one I've collected and I have like at one point with Uncanny X Men I had all but yeah of that I think I had all but about 120 issues of that which is really good for a series that ran I think 600 ish issues and I even had as far back I think I had issue seven of that which is, you know, pretty good. But, you mm-hmm. know, even when you go back to that, you can get most of that stuff for pretty cheap. You know, I mean, when you when you start getting into the 60s, you know, you're talking about 20 bucks an issue probably for something in good shape. Yeah. But there's those first appearances that if you're trying to, like, if you want everything, that you have to start, like, making compromises on <laughs> like I have I have the second part of the Juggernaut's first appearance which I think is X-Men number 13 and I got that in a lot on eBay and it's like in okay-ish shape but it's kind of in crappy shape because that one's worth a little more like so usually what you do is you have a lot of stuff that's in good shape then you get those really expensive issues and like my giant size I think I got it for like a hundred bucks which was a good deal, you know, and there's probably someone that just passed out that I paid a hundred dollars for a comic book, but you know, (laughs) but you know, then, but then you have like the stuff that you just happen to find a copy of the, like my copy of Wolverine, the first appearance of Wolverine. I think I got it for 50 bucks, but you know, it's in it's in rough shape, but it's the first appearance of Wolverine. Like I can say I have it. Yeah, ours there, is not yeah, in great shape, but yeah, there are. Um, if you're really trying to complete a collection or get certain specific um, issues, obviously you would want to get the like the highest grade you could. But there, there have been times where I've been trying to like just complete something, or it's something that's so like iconic at this point that it's like ah, you know, I'll take even just a crummy copy just to have a copy of it. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. I can appreciate it, even if it's a beat up, horrible copy. It's like, well, you got it. Yeah, and and sometimes it's like, well, um, 
I can't spend two hundred and fifty dollars on this this issue in good shape. But hey, this one is that book. It's just in rough shape, and it's obviously in rough shape. But it's sixty dollars. Like there's you can, there's a give and take that you kind of have yeah, to do as a collector. It, well, for me, it, the biggest thing that I look for is is stories I enjoy. And that's what I want to have. Like, I want to have stories I enjoy. The reason I have cheap copies of that, uh, The Power of Hope, is because I love that. And I wanted to have a good copy of it. I just kind of lucked into finding it. Um, but, you know, you, you gotta, you got to pick your battles. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be able to find everything. And see, where, where I really got a lot of my X-Men stuff is when the market crashed in the late nineties and all these guys were offloading their collections for like pennies on the dollar because they couldn't sell the majority of it. That's when I really got a lot of my old X-Men stuff because, you know, I was living at home with a decent job. So it was like, Oh, this, this set, like they want 200 bucks for this. And it has like, it has like 20 of the first 50 issues of X-Men and they're all in pretty good shape. Like, okay, I'll buy it. Yeah, and then you pull it out. It has a hundred dollar price tag on it. It's like, well, I made out on that deal. Yeah. So, okay, so I was. Gonna you were s- talking about so bone. Wait, was, bone was one of my first forays outside of that Marvel and DC bubble. It was Bone and the Tick were pretty much my my um, early forays outside of like the the big two comfort bubble. <laughs> I love the Tick. <laughs> oh that's great the thing about the tick at this point is that people probably are far more familiar with the adaptations of the work than the actual like comic itself the ben, the ben Ed, edlin stuff which is really good yeah probably but it, you know i just love the idea like the character itself i love the character my favorite version because it was the first one i came across was the animated series well, I think Which, people would be shocked if they read like the original thirteen issues because he's he's literally an escaped asylum patient that had a viewmaster yeah. that just decides to start superheroing because that's like his his delusion. And there and and there's some like some pretty harsh stuff that happens in the that original run too, if yeah, I remember correctly. There is. It is funny, but like it's it's not. Um, it gets a little violent. Yeah. So why don't um, we move on to our next? Um, who wants to go next? Well, I'll throw mine out. Um, the the first one that I'm going to throw out, actually, uh, that I'm going to throw out here is going to be. Um, I'm going to throw out right. He was a writer for uh, the Legion of Superheroes when he was like 15. He was editor in chief at Marvel. And then he went and started and ran the company that was my first big foray outside of the DC Marvel uh, in Valiant. And that's Jim Shooter. I believe Karate Kid hmm. was his um, was his big contribution when he was like, I think it was even I think like he. I think they were using his creations before, even when he started writing at 15. I think, like, when he was 13, they were taking, like, his concepts, like Karate Kid and stuff like that. 
Like, he mailed that in to them for them to use, I think. Yeah. As, like, fan submission. And his, uh, um, but, I want to say, like, if you want to go back, like, a lot of that DC stuff from, like, the 60s and 70s is really not good and doesn't hold up, but his Legion of Superheroes is excellent. Yeah. Uh, the th- Here's the, the thing that I really enjoy about uh, Shooter's work is the consistency. Jim Shooter, like, okay... What got him fired as editor-in-chief at Marvel was you would open up, say, the Uncanny X-Men, whatever the current issue was, and they're like, well, we're going to Russia. And then the same month you go over and you pick up whatever the Wolverine individual series is, and he's like, I'm in Brazil. And Jim Shooter would be like, why? (laughs) These are supposed to be happening concurrently. How? And they'd be like, well, I wanted to write a thing where he was in Brazil. I was like, well, we were taking the X-Men to Russia. He's like, you all got to get this together. And so apparently the writers had this big hissy fit. And they're like, he makes us having, you know, consistency. We don't, we don't, we don't. And so he got fired. You go to Valiant and everything, first of all, is plotted out. It's happening at the same time. Stuff does cross over. It's going to cross over. Um, and so it does affect the other books. And, like, the the first big crossover uh, series, I think, was the Unity event. And everything in Unity is planned out very well. The If I'm going to have a downfall with some Valiant stuff, is that some of the dialogue whew, um, doesn't work that well, but the storytelling is really good. Well, I think... And I, think uh... I appreciate it. I think the strength of Valiant is comparatively to DC or Marvel where I think Valiant's really striking and the new Valiant does this. Okay. Too is Valiant really feels like if this was our world as it is right now with superheroes in it. Yeah. Well, there, there was a great example. Um, Solar's mother-in-law, Phil Seleski's mother-in-law comes to stay with Phil and his wife. And when he when that happens, she's there and, you know, she came, she said, oh, you know, I don't get to see you guys much. And so she was going to come stay for two, three months. Okay, fine. And she goes to, um, she pours a glass of sherry and she gets this phone call. And it's from uh, Jeff the Geomancer, but he just leaves his name as Jeff. This is a big deal. This is like unity level stuff's getting ready to happen. And Jeff's like, "Well, I'm leaving a message for Phil." And she goes, she goes to write it down. The pencil breaks, and she goes, she goes, oh, "Okay, well, I'll just remember it." And she hangs up the phone. She goes and pours herself a glass of sherry, and she turns around. The other glass is sitting there, and she's like, "Uh oh." And it's not until like three days later it, she finally puts together that Jeff called, and and Phil's wife freaks out, and Phil's like, "I have to go now." Okay, how real world is that? And yet, it's not a big enough thing that it throws off the the main story. There's like it's a very human, believable reason why Solar was late showing up for something. Um, and there's there's lots of little things sprinkled through it like that. You know, the the friendship between um, Exo Manowar and Turok is great. And and you read it, and you're like, well, of course these guys would be best friends, but it's excellent. I love it. Um, the I mean, for me, the 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 biggest downfall 
or the the character I don't like very much is probably Rye, who is in the same time period as Magnus Robot Fighter. I don't care for Rye very much, but other I mean it's it's just really good and really well really well written and paced and this is all pre acclaimed coming in and screwing everything up. Well, they screwed it up. They got rid of him but after sh- Unity, and then they managed to screw it up, and then Acclaim was like their last um, gasp of life, which is funny because Current Valiant was doing pretty good, and then they got bought by another company called DMG. We've actually talked about this, I think, even recently. Yeah. And um, they proceeded to run that into the ground, too. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> funny how history repeats itself sometimes. People can't leave them well enough alone. No. Oh, wow. I mentioned uh, a kind of overlooked gym shooter project, mm-hmm. but gym shooter, this is kind of this is random, but I'm going to throw it out because it was it was I thought it was interesting, and you can probably get back issues of this uh, cheap if you can find them mm-hmm. at like a comic convention or like a local comic convention. Uh, but New Universe, did you, any of you guys ever read New Universe? I have a peripheral, like, knowing that it exists. The, silent, the, the large silence from both of you. So. No, I haven't read it. So New Universe was, like, a separate imprint that Marvel did in, like, the mid to late uh, 80s. And I thought, in retrospect, I didn't read it as a kid. It was more, like, as an adult when I was collecting stuff and getting stuff at, you know, like, the dollar bins at comic shows. Um I picked up some stuff, and it's actually kind of interesting. The concept is basically like Earth uh, in a separate universe from the Marvel universe. And the idea, it was presented more like if you want... you guys remember the show Heroes? Yeah. It's, it's, it wasn't quite like Heroes, but the concept is the same, where it's like, what if you know superheroes never existed? They're, they're not like a thing in this universe, but all of a sudden, everywhere like superheroes just start popping up. And how would that actually affect the real world? Because all of a sudden, you know, you're now dealing with the reality that there are people who have extraordinary powers who can be, you know, good or evil. And how would that affect things? And the just kind of adventures of those people. Sometimes, you know, they'd be labeled as heroes. Sometimes they would be feared. It was really kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And there were several different series uh, that were that was done. I. I did not collect all of them. I've I've only have like a few issues here and there. I probably will go and actually collect most of these series at some point in my lifetime. Um, but it, I also like this because it, this is again really kind of random. But about mid, in the mid two thousands, the mid aughts, they actually rebooted this. Okay. I, I think they did it for like the thirty year anniversary of the of new universe. New, uh, new universe. I can't talk. Um, and it was actually. <laughs> Like a mini series that was done by Warren Ellis, and it was um, it was really interesting and kind of kind of gritty, but they were rebooting things, and I was actually uh, kind of interested in seeing if they would continue it, but it was delayed for d- different reasons, and then I think eventually, like Warren Ellis said, well, I lost all of my like story notes in a in a freak computer accident, so that was pretty much the end of that, but just kind of a random but interesting thing that he also did that doesn't get a lot of attention but it was actually still like good quality stuff i i'm looking well, at it right now and i remember cyforce and starbrand actually i think i have some starbrand issues that i got from like some yeah it, they did like probably like a dozen different series some were more popular than others 
Um, but yeah, you you can st- you can probably find at least some of these issues if you go to like a, a local comic show because they're and I guarantee you they're probably in like the dollar bins because I, I don't think they're really worth much. But which is which is a crying shame. Um, really Again, good stuff to to fall by the wayside like that. Just this is one of those things weird. that I don't. There's there's lots of different little series that I don't collect because it's necessarily worth something. I collect it because I actually find just like the characters interesting or the stories fascinating. So I collect it just to have it, just to have it. Yeah, yeah. That's how I am. Like there's, a, there's plenty of stuff I have like tons of that. I just, I just have a love for that's not like, I mean, I have like the entire original transformers Marvel run and I don't think any of that's worth crap. So, mm-hmm. but I, love uh, I have a set that's not worth Jack either, but I really wanted to get it together was the, um, 12-issue Richard Dragon miniseries that came out in the, the late 2000s. You know, I actually think I have that. I, I, I love the character of Richard Dragon. Nobody else... It's rare that I find, you know, outside of my regular circle of friends, it's rare I find somebody who even knows who he is. He isn't yearly utilized a lot. Um, no, he, he I don't. I don't know if the character predated... Uh, this character, but for those who don't know Richard Dragon, Richard Dragon, in my opinion, is basically the DC Comics version of Iron Fist. They're basically kind of like the same. They're, they're similar characters, it to me at least. That's my impression. But he's, he's um, he he's, pre he predates because he goes back to Kung Fu Fighters with Bronze Tiger in the seventies, I think. Well, Iron Fist That's possible. goes back to yeah. It, Iron Fist is the seventies too. I mean, okay, well. Uh, I'm well, there's a lot of back and forth, so I'll... Um... Well, it could be like... But see, it, it gets weird because like people always think Man-Thing is a, is a rip-off of... Um... Swamp Thing? But, they, but one predates the other by like four months. The, uh, I would say that Richard Dragon and Iron Fist are different because Iron Fist, first of all, is far more active in in the in what's going on in the world. Richard Dragon is very much he's more reclusive. He's more of a teacher and he doesn't like have anything supernatural in what he does. He's just that good. They both uh, showed up in 1974, so I yeah, I'm just seeing wow. that so it's kind of, I guess it's a tie. Yeah. But I'm it's a... Dragon Go taught Shane you go back to the though. original Oh, okay. Shang-Chi, uh, I wasn't going to mention this, but Shang-Chi, to talk about one of those little like, kind of random um, comic books, Shang-Chi is actually, a, or Master of Kung Fu is the original comic mm-hmm. book that he was in. That's one of those comic books that's kind of like weird. People don't remember it, but I've collected quite a few issues. I actually want to get the complete run. Uh, once, you know, hopefully, hopefully whenever Corona decides to leave <laughs> or we have some sort of uh, cure... Or treatment, um, and and shows can actually resume. I'm gonna try and collect the entire uh, run of that because yeah. it's that's a that's a fun little. Um, well, because I don't think people realize like because c- comics were at one point up until about the 90s were kind of a a um, reflection of pop culture. So like you know in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. you had a bunch of Western comics, and then you know in the 70s you had a bunch of karate and kung fu comics because that was what was popular and then you had a bunch of sci-fi comics in the 80s and then you kind of hit the the 90s and it just kind of got into that superhero rut they've never gotten out of Mm -hmm. 
the um, <coughs> also the fifties had a lot of the the military like Sergeant Rock and Easy Company and stuff. The, the the horror stuff was big in the late forties, early fifties. Like some of that early. That is one that that's, that stuff's too expensive now, but I, I want to get some of the collections of the old Crypt Keeper comics. But the EC stuff's really solid. Yeah, but to to go back, I was gonna say Dragon is kind of if you go to the original continuity, not the new Fifty Two one, uh, and not even the miniseries one. Dragon is well, no, it's in the miniseries. Pretty much taught every martial artist. Like trained all the all the superheroes, um, except like maybe Wildcat, and the only reason that there are some people that think that Lady Shiva's better than him is because Dragon holds back. Like he 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 never completely unloads in the original continuity, not in the not in the miniseries because that's that ties into the end of the miniseries. No, that's at the end of the miniseries too. Um, he holds back because he's like, I don't want to have that kind of death on my spirit. So I, th- I don't, I think, um, I think the way it is now, like, uh, Cassie's kind of considered the up and coming going to be like the big badass. Even, well, I guess that's not true now because yeah. they kind of screwed her because Didier is a fucking idiot. Well, he's also not uh, in charge anymore. I know, thank God. But uh, it, it, yeah, the new Fifty Two messed all that up, and now Richard Dragon is is a gang boss or something. But man, DC, okay. well, let's not get into it. I just yeah, yeah, that's 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 a whole separate conversation we can have yeah. at some point. Tank, so Matt, who tanked their whole line with <clears throat> stupidity through the two thousands into the new Fifty Two and beyond? But we'll. We won't go into it. Matt, um, who who was a writer you wanted to to talk about? Uh, since we since we were talking about Richard Dragon, um, yeah, I'll just I'll just go ahead and use that to to bring out probably my my heavy gun, my number. I won't say my number one because I didn't really rank, but certainly a guy who left a a, a big impression. Yeah, I'll go with Dennis O'Neill. Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill. I probably took. Of one of yours. Yeah, of that's yours. okay. That's okay. Uh, he apparently... I didn't even know this. He created Richard Dragon. I just saw that on Wikipedia. Yeah. But uh, Dennis O'Neill, he is 81 years old. But yeah. he has been... He's been in comics for like, what? 50 years, maybe? Yeah. There's stuff... Or longer? There's stuff from like... <laughs> I, I imagine he's... Well, I mean, his early Batman stuff might date back to the late 60s. You know, I'm looking. He he graduated. He graduated college in the '60s. He was working at DC at least as late as like the late '60s. So yeah, I think he, yeah, you're talking about over 50 years. Because I think when people think of Dennis O'Neill, they think of they think of and they didn't do a lot of issues together. When you look at it in hindsight, but the Dennis O'Neill Neil Adams run on Batman that is primarily what I'm thinking of uh, yeah. when I'm talking about how, how great he was because I, I, and there has been a previous podcast where we were talking about our favorites and I mentioned Dennis O'Neill and Batman. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, when we're talking about like great runs. Yeah. And we, cause, cause he, we were talking about mm-hmm. too, like I was saying like, um, I think Neil Adams has an argument of the best 
artist ever for comics like because he like his version of so many characters is the iconic version like his batman is the iconic <laughs> batman his green lantern his, is the iconic green lantern yeah his work was so clean it was so good and he just had um he it, batman is probably his greatest in my opinion but he has had so many good runs on so much stuff that he really is He's got to be. I, I well, I don't want to. It's too like arrogant to say like he's on. He's on like a Mount Rushmore, but he's he might be on my Mount Rushmore. He'd be on mine of comic. I'd put him on of mine. comic writers. He's done so many good things. He again, and not just uh, on Batman it, within the Batman. He did. Um, he did a lot of work with like Rachel Ghoul, really like fleshing out that character. Uh, a lot of his, a lot of other Batman villains, he really kind of fleshed out. He had a run on oh. Brave and the Bold. He did a ton of work with both Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Yeah. Um. One of one of the actually most memorable storylines that was probably ever done with Green Arrow mm-hmm. was the storyline where um, Green Arrow's sidekick Speedy was it, it was revealed that he was addicted to heroin, and so yeah. they had a really big. That was kind of a big, uh, kind of dramatic story point that he ran with and, but yep. it's, it's unfortunate <laughs> who was the idiot that that was jt cruel i think that had him relapse and beat all those hobos up with a cat in an alley oh god i remember that, that. was that was after cry for justice wasn't yes it? yeah that was, yeah, that was in fairness that was widely panned it's like yeah. oh yeah it, it didn't james robinson do cry for justice i'm trying to remember i think he did cry for justice is a steaming pile of dog waste yes yeah there's so many reasons why Mm. i you Uh, know that one never even was the fun bee that didn't even become like a fun meme like batman with the bees like a deadly bee weapon bees my god yeah (laughs) here's yeah that's true that's Thank you, Linkara, right? Um, yes. No, God, Cry for Justice had so many stupid things, but the, and this is, Linkara makes a great point for this whenever he went through it, but the, the, the cardinal sin Cry for Justice does, aside from it being bad, aside from there not being justice, is that they killed oh, Leanne Harper. Oh, no, Sorry. they killed, yeah, they killed Roy's four-year-old daughter for shock value. Yep. And there there was no reason to do it other than, oh, I want to reinforce why this is a big deal. And um, his characters characters never recovered either because then they had him in um, Red Hood and the Edgelords and um, Mm -hmm. as you dubbed it. Yeah. At some point they brought Leon back, but it it shouldn't have happened in the first place. And um, now, did Dennis O'Neill is he responsible now, for um, kind of growing Green Arrow out from being just like a blatant Batman ripoff with um, arrows yes. instead of uh, batarangs? Yeah. yeah, he really added a lot of, of character and depth to Green Arrow, and kind yeah. of made him more of a uh, his own character. He did a lot of work there. Uh, Green he, Arrow, my <laughs> is my favorite, my dad's favorite comic book character. Because of the Denny O'Neill stuff, mm-hmm. that's I, uh, and that cracks me up. What I like about <laughs> see, but what I like about um, that stuff in the older comics, which has kind of gotten lost now because people have a real problem with nuance, is like um, Green Arrow. 
Green Arrow is like a certain voice of a political spectrum, but that doesn't mean he's right or that he's perfect. Like, mm, he just right. has his opinions, but he has his flaws. Like, he's a complete character. Because my problem with Green Arrow is a problem I have with Captain America a lot. Is I have a certain opinion of Green Arrow, but a lot, of, and, and Cap on it is the same, but people love to hijack them and use them as their mouthpiece and you're like that is not green arrow or cap you're just using them as a mouthpiece for whatever bug is up your butt this week yeah the i, I wanted to to piggyback on with what you were saying matt because o'neill was totally on mine um uh, you know he was the one that brought batman out of the goofy 60s stuff and kind of kind of you know what we see, what we think of now as classic Batman, but mm -hmm. even into the 90s, O'Neill was not only doing quality work, but creating new characters. I had the novelization of Nightfall somewhere uh, that O'Neill wrote. Yeah, I have that. I actually, I don't I, I don't think I got rid of it. I think I still have that as well. Is that any yeah. good? It's, it's not... Terrible. It's it's clearly like a novelization of a com of the comic book storyline. It's kind of an abridged, yeah. If that makes sense, because there's a there's stuff that doesn't transfer over as well, but mm -hmm. it's still good. The story's still good, even though you know O'Neill prefers to write for comics that way. Yeah. But you got to consider it's got Bruce's rehabilitation and return as part of it. It, it it skips over the seven masters that he has to deal with as part of that, but. Um, it, and O'Neill's just grandoise middle finger to everyone being like, well, Batman, I just kill people. They don't have to deal with them anymore. And they're like, oh, really? All right. Watch what happens when we take, I'm going to create John Paul Valley. We're going to have this whole thing happen. We're going to have Valley step into the role. We're going to have him be exactly what you want to show you how dumb of an idea this is. I mean, and then we're gonna bring Bruce back, if you, and I laugh when I think about if that. If you want to have fun and um, read like the really early Detective Comics stuff, he Batman just straight up murders people. That's, That's true. true, but that was early. That was before the characterization but was kind of a. If you're listening yeah. to this, don't because Bob Kane is a horrible hack. It's not good. <laughs> go read. The, go read. Um. Go read like the early Green Lantern stuff because whoever did that was actually talented, and those read a lot better. I was the Alan Scott, right? Yeah, that stuff's actually yeah. readable still, where the Batman stuff really is not. Like it's bad the, grammar; it's just it's not good. Yeah the um, the other thing that I love that O'Neill did, like I said, he kept creating new characters. I'm pretty sure Jason Todd was one of his, and Dick Grayson, and then uh, Bane, and then no, there's I a think whole Bane was a Chuck Dixon. Yes. Was Bane, okay. Bane was Chuck Dixon. And, um, Boy, that saved me some serious... Uh, there were two times I was going to meet Denny O'Neill at a convention, and I was going to have my Bane costume there, and he canceled both appearances, which... Boy, that uh, that saved me some embarrassment. <laughs> and, um, I think he... And I looked it up because I was wondering if it was Tim Drake is a Marv Wolfman thing, and I believe... Dick Grayson oh, okay. becoming Night Nightwing is a is a Marv Wolfman thing. Yeah, that that was not the Nightwing thing was not O'Neill, but he was creating new characters and and stuff. O'Neill, like yeah, O'Neill did create Azrael and and wrote yeah. I think like every issue of his solo series. Yeah, which ran for uh, quite a long time. 
Yeah. He also it, did a lot of he did a lot of stuff with the question. Yeah. And I want to throw out this is a this is one of those again like really esoteric characters that I actually really enjoy because just it's so weird. But he did uh, he did I think the original or one of the original um, six issue Creeper series. The Creeper. The Creeper is all is like actually one of my like favorite really weird secondary DC characters just because uh-huh. he is absolutely just bizarre of a character. <laughs> and they in the in subsequent years uh, they've actually kind of I guess more predominantly brought him into like the Batman universe of characters. He was on yeah. the, the cartoon. The cartoon used all sorts of people though. They did. He was in um he was in like the original Bat well he was in Batman the animated series. I think it was actually one of like the second round of um not the original episodes where they did like when they they think oh, they moved it to like Fox the, Mornings or something. Yeah. The the new, the new adventures uh, of Batman and Robin. Batman I think. And Robin, yeah. Yeah he which is still part of the original like Paul Denny stuff, but it's just it, it's, is. it was like the second round. Yeah, it's, yeah. it wasn't uh, as good. It wasn't as good, but it was still entertaining. It's still he good. Also, yeah, he also popped up on. This is like a, this show was a few years back now. It's probably almost ten years ago. But did you guys ever see Batman: Brave and the Bold? Yeah, he was in like an episode no, of that. No, but you recommended it. If if best, people out there have not seen Batman, best representation of Aquaman in any medium, absolutely, it, yes. absolutely, the best representation of Aquaman. If you people have not seen the Batman Brave and the Bold series, you definitely owe yourself to watch it. They did like three seasons of it. There's there's actually quite a few episodes. It's more cartoony than Batman the animated series. It's it, way more lighthearted. It's more it's like the Adam. It's more like they they re. They revive the the Adam West Batman with a more modern sensibility to it. Yes, uh, and it is it's more goofy, it's campy, it's funny, but it's just really like fun and lighthearted. And Batman, because the theme of obviously the, the old Brave and the Bold comic is that he, Batman would team up with random uh, superheroes. He teams up with like all sorts of different superheroes, and he I think Creeper was in one or two episodes, and. Uh, Aquaman was in several different uh, episodes of it, and he, it's the best version of Aquaman ever because he's just like uh, the the like the trope is boisterous bruiser because that's basically <laughs> how he is. He's just like a real he's all he's kind of for people who as a frame of reference, he's more like the he's more like Thor in the in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe movies. He's just like jovial, but also loves to fight. I would say, I would actually argue that um, why can't I? God, I can't think of the actor's name. Who plays Aquaman now? Jason Momoa. Yeah. Jason Momoa. So I would actually say that the Jason Momoa Aquaman is kind of essentially like a version of that Batman. Of that Aquaman. Well, that's cool. Where he's just kind of like a good-natured, kind of just like a bro. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who likes to to fight and drink beer? Um, it's fun. It's a fun series. Uh, but yeah, the creeper was another character that Denny. I mean, we literally could we could just continue talking throughout the podcast he, about yeah. stuff he's done. Here's a, here's one that'll blow your mind. Um, he mm-hmm. wrote Iron Man number one fifty eight and number one sixty to two oh eight. You know, I have. I have almost 
I think outside of maybe one episode, I have the entire run of the initial Iron Man uh, series. Uh, and I didn't even realize that. I'll tell you, my favorite Iron Man armor is the Silver Centurion armor. Yeah, that's a great one. I'm trying to see what issues that is. Did he write Armor War? Because that's about the time Armor War happened. So, um... I'm going to piggyback off of yeah. off of Matt's pick here. And yeah. I'm going to go with Marv Wolfman. Okay. So Marv Wolfman, uh, creator of Tim Drake. I think what people would know from his influence is... Not the crappy Teen Titans Go, but the the Teen Titans series of um, the mid-2000s is based very heavily on his run on mm-hmm. on um, the new Teen, Ti- Teen Titans at the time, which in, in its day, it was the highest seller at DC. Um, he's done a lot of Superman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something Did else. he do the Technus Imperative? Maybe. Okay, because I you, you you said his name and I went and pulled it up and I remember that that early Titan stuff. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's good. Um, that's well, what the introduction of Terra and I think Deathstroke is an adversary for the Titans. Yeah, Deathstroke, uh, like um, the Fearsome Five. Yeah. Um, Wait, the Fearsome Five, was that the, the revival of the Legion of Superhero Villains? Eh, yeah, but they were different, I think. Okay, because I read about the Fearsome Five from Legion of Superheroes. It was Persuader and Emerald Empress and um, Manos. Mano, was it Mano or Manos? can't remember which one. And um, This one's like oh, Cyan and... Um... I would know their name any other time. Like the big guy, big guy who's got a like a brain in a glass jar for a head kind of thing. No, what's his name? I, I he also now did, I've got to look that yeah, up. Yeah, he, gonna... he also did Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is like yes, um, you can say good or bad, but you know, well, pretty much what the pretty much what what. Crisis on Infinite Earth is is um is um okay. So here's some of the members: um, Doctor Light, Gizmo, Shimmer, Mammoth, Simon, Jinx, Neutron. Okay, I, that's the new one. I'm looking for the for the original, like the old school fearsome. So what what um what what Christ on Infinite Earth was was DC decided hey our history is too convoluted so pretty much the monitor and the anti monitor show up and they pretty much destroy all the alternate realities and merge it into a single reality which which when you hear something referred to as post crisis DC that's kind of like a soft reboot of their lineup in the mid eighties. Oh, I'm thinking not the fearsome five. I'm thinking the fatal five. I'm sorry. Okay. It's close enough. It's an FF thing, but that's, yeah. what, that's what crisis on infinite earth is. And he was like the master mind behind it to a large degree. And then he did 
Adventures of Superman for a while after that, maybe a year or two. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the thing about Crisis on Infinite Earths, even if you don't love it, you've got to be impressed by the sheer scope and the amount of work that went into it because it's a lot. Yeah. It is. It is not a small undertaking. No, it's twelve issues, and, and there are a lot of characters in it. And there is a lot of storytelling that goes on in twelve issues. Yep. And it's like it's consistent. It just might be kind of hard to keep up with because you might want a reference or something. You're like, okay, who are we looking at here? And I think ba- who are we looking at here? Barry Allen gets a really good send off in it. Like, is he like his mm-hmm. noble sacrifice? And I think I think for me, Marv Wolfman really represents i think the 80s a lot about the 80s is dc trying to catch up to marvel and and like mature their storytelling to be more not in line with marvel but to be of like the the nuance and like maturity level of marvel i want to say and i think he was a big part of spearheading that because even if you go back and read a lot of 70s dc it still has the problem that a lot of silver age dc had like not a lot of um, personality or conflict between the characters, and I think yeah. um, I think he kind of helped get them there. Yeah, I, I think I think DC was just kind of stubborn about that for a long time, and they didn't think that um, they didn't think that that was necess- necessary. But I think their readers just wanted more more realism. The um, just for what it's worth, before we go into it, the uh, I wanted to throw out there: if Crisis on Infinite Earth inspired the Arrowverse Crisis, which, to be honest with you, is better. You know, it's it's pretty good. It's better than I thought it would be, except for the resolution of it, which annoys me. Like the the last episode annoys me until you do the epilogue portion of it. And I really enjoyed that. Um, so, you know, for kicks, if you haven't, if you're, you're on the fence about it, it's, you know, it's, it's worth doing. Um, just to put that out there. Sorry for the aside. So Shad, who would be your, Oh, Matt, do you have anything to say on Marv? Um, just to, for crisis, is that, do you think that that was kind of like the the beginning of all this the uh, the kind of company wide crossover event craze? Well, I think Secret Wars had happened before this. Mm. No, I really think um, I really think that got out of hand in the two thousands. It definitely did. I I mean I like. I like big events, but I feel like it's like you got to do one of those maybe, maybe twice a decade, unless you're going to do like a smaller type of storyline that only involves like a maybe a handful of books. But they were doing Marvel and to a lesser extent DC, but definitely Marvel was doing a big event like every year. They were doing two years for a time for like a few years. Yeah, I wanted it, and it just kind of it kind of got out of hand. Yeah. Because they did, like, in Marvel, they did Civil War, they did Illuminati, they did World War Hulk. Like, all of that happened in the space of, like, a year, year and a half. Um, 
for what it's worth, in DC, they did Infinite Crisis, which I really enjoyed. There was a whole bunch of stuff that led up to Infinite Crisis, and it all came together. And I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. See, what um, my problem with Infinite Crisis is, is I was really um, intrigued by the one year later stuff. And then they never, like, told you the mysteries they set up about that missing I year. I, and then... I enjoyed the crisis. Yeah. I didn't say anything then, about the aftermath. And then you got the new 50... Well, no, what was it? 50, you, what was, was the book called? 50, Countdown. 52. 52. Yeah, 52 and Countdown. So 52 countdown was... was supposed to tell you what happened in that year... And then you realize, like, eight issues in that they're not going to actually resolve anything because they're just going to make all the storylines last for 52 issues. And then you never really found anything out because. So. But I enjoyed the infinite crisis and the build up to it because you had Day of Vengeance, you had Rand Thanagar, you had um, Checkmate. Uh, There's a bunch of stuff that went into it that I really enjoyed. So, yeah, it just I didn't like the payoff. No. Even the post crisis stuff or they got, the ending on thing. I didn't like the actual event. I mean, I didn't. I like the first couple issues, but then they. I think that one got hosed because DC was really bad about being on time in that time period. Like they trashed yeah, a lot of the series here. with delays, and they really rushed like the last three issues of that. And I think that really hurt it. So, uh, and I didn't like. I, the I enjoyed it. I didn't like the okay, whole so. um, Superboy Prime uh, reality punch crap. Like, that was really dumb. Yeah, that was stupid. Uh, yeah, Superboy like Prime did some 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 real dumb... See, I'll kill you to death is, is a Superboy Prime line that's just remarkably stupid. Uh, but I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed the story. Uh, so, it, I'm sorry. And it kind of... Um, it let it... And then it kind of started the problem that they've not been able to get out of, and I'm hoping now that uh, Didio's gone that they'll get away from it. But um, they became obsessed with, like, trying to fix these stupid little pieces of continuity and making it fit for, like, the next ten years after that. And every time they tried to fix something, they made it worse instead of just ignoring it. I'm not sure if that's Didio or someone else that's on my list, but we'll get to it. Um, so I think to, it's Didio because he really, I mean, he really did screw that company up for a good 15 mm-hmm. years. Well, um, just so we can kind of keep moving, Matt, did you have, uh, another one you wanted to throw in the ring here? I do. Um, so we're talking about crisis. I'll actually go, I'll switch a little forward to the, the architect or the writer for final crisis. And that would be Grant Morrison. Okay. I'm actually a big fan of Grant Morrison. Um, he's probably not everyone's cup of tea just because a lot of the stuff that he writes it can be just fucking weird. And he gets it just <laughs> My problem with him is my problem with him is he I, I really enjoy some of his stuff, but he gets mm-hmm. he 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 what's a delicate way of putting this? Sometimes I feel like he's jerking off in my face, like when I'm reading like some of his stuff. No, he does. Like he gets because really it, heavily into wankery. Yeah, I mean that's part of the that's part of his appeal. That's part of why I like him. But he does 
go into like weird tangents and starts throwing out really weird concepts. And it's clearly like just surreal stuff that he's like, I don't know, captivated by at the moment or is, is fascinated with. So he's trying to incorporate into his work, which I appreciate. Or that's just but what it's also batch of, ro- of shrooms told him to write about. Perhaps. Uh, but it, it also just sometimes just gets weird. Cause it's like, okay, I don't, I don't really understand this. Uh, I appreciate how he just tries. He he does try to like reinvent stuff. Uh, for example, like I, this is a really um, like a random series that he did. But hold on, let me actually get the the full title. Okay, it's like the mid the mid two thousands. Did you guys read like the Seven yes, Soldiers? Yes. He uh, miniseries. That was a. It was actually several different miniseries. Bad ending, but it was um, it was about the the Seven Soldiers of Victory, which is like an old uh, yep. DC Comics superhero team, which and he I reinv- did read mm-hmm. in my he, grandfather's collection. He reinvented it um, with several characters. Uh, he had like Mister Miracle, but it was like a different yeah, version of Mister. Uh, Miracle. His Clarion was really good, the Witch Boy. Yeah, Clarion the Witch Boy. His uh, and um, his um, Legion of what. Oh, called that the the newsboy legion or whatever that was really good oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh it's just really it's several characters that have kind of been floating around or they're they're not even like secondary they're more like tertiary they're like lower characters oh, i wouldn't even call them that i call them a lot of them like forgotten relics of a bygone era outside of yeah outside of like mr miracle who is like more like secondary yeah because like the shining char- knight no one knows who that is i mean i think that was a cowboy at one point yeah, so he that took all these really oh, yeah. weird characters and incorporated them into this like absolutely bizarre, like science fiction fantasy storyline, which in my opinion was actually really fascinating. But it's just weird, and it's like they're—I don't know—like they they gave him literally, they gave him seven different miniseries to write, plus like uh, back, well, yeah, plus like a couple like bookends, and it's just like you gave him like uh, how many probably like 30 issues or, or, or something to tell a storyline, which I actually liked, but it was just bizarre. It was good though. I, I need to read it. It was good. It. It, and that's, that's just like the story of his work. Like some of his, sometimes some of his work I actually think is like absolutely like top tier, like fascinating, great stuff. Some of it's just like weird. Uh, but he has, he's been around for like 30 something years and some of his stuff is like fantastic. Like he did, uh, animal, he man. did, for, like, he did animal man, which was, uh, really good he did doom patrol oh, yeah, which is really, really good. good his uh jla his jla he reined it in and that's actually a really good um this one of the best justice league runs absolutely it was that was like fantastic he um now i will say he did the, his mm-hmm. bat, his straight up batman run would had its ups and downs uh mm-hmm. and i think i think i really curse him because I think people have taken his Damian Wayne and really run with it in a way he didn't mean for them to. Wasn't yeah. it supposed to be like an Elseworld story or a No, they brought him like into the, the DCU proper, but the thing is, um, Grant really, like, when you get to Batman and Robin, where I think his run really came alive mm-hmm. in a good way, like, they really softened Damian. Like, Damian and Dick Grayson have this really good dynamic to them that Bruce and Damian don't have. 
Yeah. But um, then they kind of brought Bruce back and he tried to kill Damien off, but then they brought him back and then everyone kind of goes with like the douche patrol like um, mm-hmm. version of Damien. Whereas if you went back to Batman and Robin, they actually had like, they had actually really um, softened him up. But his, I, but his Batman and Robin with Dick Grayson as Batman is very good. Yeah, and he's done a lot of other good stuff. Uh, it only lasted for a few, for like maybe about a dozen episodes, and, and I think probably because he was like chronically delayed. But his all-star Superman was absolutely fucking amazing. And I'm, I'm someone who actually kind of doesn't like Superman as a character. I think Superman to me is largely a boring character or character that is like chronically poorly written. Chronically poorly because again, I, I, I can agree with chronically poorly written. Yeah, I, it partly. I mean, it's but it's hard to write for him because again, one of the things that I actually don't like about Superman, I think, his primary flaw is that Superman is essentially God. He's a god, like he's a physical god. You, you, like two things in the universe hurt him. So once you have a character that's essentially like flawless, then it. it it gets a little like contrived that you devise storylines for him, but he actually, it was a really good run that he did on that. He, he, he made, he made Superman more human. It was very like cerebral at times. It was just a really great series. He's done some other great stuff. I don't know if either of you guys ever read we three. I might, read that? I might have. Oh. That sounds very familiar. That was a really fascinating, and if you actually read the storyline, like heartbreaking story, um, it was uh, it was really it's not like superhero related. It's the the concept was that uh, a cat, a dog, and a bunny uh, are their government experiments where they are basically linked to essentially mecha suits, and they escape, but the mecha suits are like highly weaponized, so. There's a lot of carnage and death and destruction that happens when they escape. Um, and the end result's kind of very tragic. Uh, but it's really a, it's a fascinating book. It was uh, It's kind of more like a, a, a manga in terms of like the style of it. It was, uh, it, it was drawn by Frank Quietly, who's a, in his own right, like a really fascinating artist. He has a very distinct style, which I actually kind of appreciate. But um, uh, he actually, he and Frank quietly did like a run on, of New X Men, which that was like another really weird uh, I, run. I have, that he um, did. I have issues with his run on X Men. Yeah, I have a, I, I, in my like collection, I'm sure I have quite a few of those. I have the whole thing, and, and um, yeah. I'd have to read it again, but I do. I do have some issues with his take on the X-Men. I don't think that was his best work. I think I would agree. I think he got a little too far up his own butt on that one. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing that Grant Morrison has done, and it's kind of like, I feel it's kind of like run away with itself and probably in part because it was the, the kind of driving force behind the, the Batman Arkham games. But uh, Arkham Asylum, A Serious House oh. on Serious Earth, is the graphic novel that he did uh, in like '89, I think, with uh, legendary artist Dave McKeon. Yeah, and it is again. It's if you've if you've since played the games, it's kind of the games obviously are heavily influenced in, in 
basically it, the storyline, the at least the most basic aspect of the storyline for the first Batman Arkham Asylum game is kind of based on uh, the graphic novel. The graphic novel is absolutely, in my opinion, it's fantastic. It, but it is uh, out like incredibly dark and has really just disturbing versions of all the different uh, Batman characters, the villains. Mm-hmm. But it's a fantastic book. It's uh, it's very mature. It's not something. It's not a not a comic for kids. Yeah, don't buy any it for your stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um. So funny story is he did a run on the Flash, and he, his run on the Flash was pretty much bookended by Mark Wade and Jeff Johns, because the Wally. Because mm. if if you go back and read like the Wally West Flash from like the late '80s to the mid 2000s. There is an insane run of talent on that book. Mm-hmm. You get like, oh yeah, there is. You get like I don't remember the first guy that did it, but he did a really good job. But you pretty much get Mark Wade into Grant Morrison into Jeff Johns, and the book is good for like a solid two hundred and ten issues, which is really not normal. There was a uh, there was a stretch of time uh, in like the nineties where Flash was, no joke, it was probably, like, the best uh, comic that DC was putting out I, I, in terms of, like, just just consistently great storytelling. I would say, I would say, I would say the Wally West Flash run is probably the best superhero story ever told, like, from start to finish, because you get, you get Wally starting off as pretty much a jerk, and you get to watch him grow... You get to see him surpass his mentor. You get to see him get married. You get to see him, like, become, like, an adult and, like, become, like, a good man in this process instead of, like, this selfish, like, douchebag that he starts out as. Like, it is an amazing mm-hmm. tale, and they pissed it all away with, like, all the follow-up because they don't use him right anymore, and they tried to revert him back like everyone else because that's what people want or something i don't know it just it but it is it is if if you can if you can make it through all of that wally west run like it is really my favorite comic book of all time just for the personal journey you get to see wally take Mm -hmm. well speaking of someone who who you brought up in that i was gonna go into um another one that's on my list and I will fully admit that this guy has some issues in what he does. Uh, I usually refer to it as continuity wank people who get off so much on obscure references or bring stuff back around or everything's connected in some way that's exhausting. And it's like, gee, I don't know. Why can't this just be this? I think we, uh, I think we have to accept though. Like if you read enough of any particular writer in comics, you're going to come across something that sucks. Wait, you're going to come across something that you don't like. Yeah, or or they And that's or they're going to get too old and then like you're going to run into the Frank Miller thing or the Alan Moore thing where they wrote some really iconic comics in their day and then you're reading something when they're like 65 years old and it's barely like comprehensible. Like it yeah. just happens. Well, if if we want to go ahead and knock them out, they're definitely like probably on my list. Uh, if 
just because of like the great things that they've done. I mean, I think I, I'm going to qualify this. But I think Watchmen is one of one of the best comics of all time. I agree with that, and I'm going to bolster and ar- arguably maybe the best comic of yeah. all time. But and I'm going to bolster I, the reason I qualify it is um, all the stuff that they're doing lately. Yeah, but um, his Swamp Thing is also amazing. Yeah, I mean he's done some absolutely like fantastic stuff over time. He did um oh what is that? The the Superman annual where like um Mongol puts the plant on him. For the man that has everything. That was an Alan Moore one. Yeah. And then um Yeah. yeah. Which is one of the best sto- Superman stories of all time. And then he it's also did Whatever yeah. Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. But yes. Um, what? Well, no one's going to bat a thousand. No. Is is what yeah. we're kind of going with. But I, I want to say, like the first time I I read Watchmen, and I think sadly though, because we're old enough to kind of remember like the last vestiges of the um, the Cold War. But man, Watchmen just melted my brain the first time I read it. Like just the, just the. There's like a. You can almost taste like the tension in the air just on the streets mm-hmm. in that book. Well, it was such a subversion of things too, especially like the ending. The ending <laughs> when I read it, it it literally it, it's and it's it's incredible to say this nowadays people have ever have seen just about everything. And it's tough to say like when you're that you would get this reaction when you're just reading a comic book. But when I read the ending of that like it literally was like my jaws on the floor like my jaw yeah. dropped the whole like what are you talking about i did it 35 minutes ago it's like when you realize yeah. holy shit the villain actually won yes and, it, and the villain it, won in such a way that you can't tell anybody there is only there like, is only in my opinion and there's different interpretations of it in my opinion there is only one hero in the whole book and he got turned to, to pretty much nothing Mm-hmm. The only one that actually and, and stood by his actually, morals was the crazy conspiracy theorist. Yeah, that's uh, whew. yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of tough to reconcile in the course of it. But um, anyway, go go on ahead. I'll we'll circle, but we'll come back to mine uh, in a minute. Or are we done with it? Uh, also, I want to say because it'll never show up in any other media. But the, the what I found fascinating was the 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 kid reading the comic and the pirate sub story that's also in there, mm-hmm. which just was really good. So that, but like I said, if it, I would agree with you that if it's not the best comic of all time, it's like the second or third best. Yeah, it, it resides in the top five without question. And I wish I wish current people would stop trying to. So so what the, the bad thing about this book is as amazing as it is, is you've had like 30 years of writers trying to emulate what we call the Grim Drac, and they totally miss like what makes Watchmen good. Oh, they missed yeah. the they missed the purpose of the grim dark in the setting. Yeah, just mm-hmm. like um, 
just like with um the Dark Knight Returns, they all miss like kind of what Frank Miller was going for. But then he kind of in the subsequent sequels, he's kind of forgotten what he was going for. So I mean whatever. Oh, Frank Miller. You're insane. <laughs> <laughs> He, he might be legitimately insane. Like he, yeah. he spends most of his time practicing like ritual magic in his castle in yeah. England. And I'm not even exaggerating. No. Yeah, because no. And I read All Star Batman and Robin. That was not written by a a, a, Whoa. a person. Okay. No. No. That was. Uh, and I know I'm referencing him again, but that was as Lynn Carter calls him. That was that wasn't Batman. That was Frank the Crazy Hobo, who dresses in a bat suit. But, but I still love that when like Robin's freaky eyes, like who am I? I'm the goddamn Batman. That's what he's Batman. referring to. Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, this is not Batman. This is Frank the Crazy Hobo who dresses like Batman. Oh man, as good as All Star and- Superman was, All Star Batman was so bad. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, I remember reading people's like responses on that sort of stuff, and they were, it was like they were completely polaxed by the difference. And, and I read Holy Terror, so yeah, why did I do that? <laughs> Frank Miller um, did great stuff. Yep, Daredevil. Daredevil. Um, can, can we say like, uh, what 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 I what I really appreciate about him that no one would have the guts to do now is he introduced the super popular character in Electra and he fucking killed her. Yeah. He meant to keep her dead. Like I, I respect, I respect his artistic Mm -hmm. integrity to do that. I mean, yeah, he, he, he was great in his time. Uh, even when he did, uh, dark horse stuff like, uh, sin city 300. Great. Oh yeah. Both are really great. Um, and then it all kind of fell apart. He's uh, <laughs> he kind of went crazy. Uh, I want to. People for, have forgotten about this film because it bombed at the box office and was completely forgotten. But have either of you ever seen The Spirit? No, no, I have not. It looked terrible. The, I love the comics, but the, it looked so bad. The Spirit. Uh, was actually the screenplay was written by Frank Miller and for some completely unknown reason the studios let him direct it uh, and the, the spirit for those who aren't aware like the spirit is based on uh, an old comic by Will Eisner uh, where it's a uh, he's like a masked uh, crime fighting detective kind of similar like to like the shadow maybe the question yeah yeah like the question like not as dark uh, will eisner kind of made it i don't see it more lighthearted, but you know certainly more like family friendly and this spirit movie i i remember watching it and it it was honestly i, I really was for time i was fascinated by it because it might be one of the worst movies I have ever seen. <laughs> and I've seen some really, really bad, like low budget films that would, you know, be popping up on cable at like th- two, three in the morning. Like it, it might be the worst film I've ever seen. One of the worst films I've ever seen. 
And I was fascinated by it because it was so terrible on so many levels. And if you think about actually like movie making, it, it, things you don't just like they don't just throw money at you and like okay go make a film and then uh, once you're done with it we'll just throw that right at like the theaters like they don't do that there's multiple le- like levels there's like the script has to be approved and then you have to, it goes through edits you have like producers involved like people are actually going to be looking at this film and seeing it edited it goes through like uh, test screenings so, I mean there are multiple levels of like quality control. And how this product blew through all of them, I do not know. It is absolutely ungodly. It's that chaos magic he threw down on him, man. I don't know. (laughs) The really sad thing is that the villain was played by Samuel L. Jackson, who was trying to ham it up, but it was just just absolutely terrible. If you actually want a really fun... um, If you want a fun really over the top if Samuel L. Jackson villain performance. Are you gonna uh, go ahead. Are you gonna say Kingsman? Kingsman. Yes. The first Kingsman. <laughs> he if you can get past the fact that he's talking with some sort of weird lisp. I uh, yeah. That, that uh, was that's a really fun movie. It is. It is. It's um it's kind of refreshing in how not seriously it takes itself. Um, cause it, it ratchets up the stakes real quick mm-hmm. in a way that it, it doesn't, it doesn't piss you off. Um, you know, it, it goes from, it, it, it swings back and forth very well, mm-hmm. uh, from the, the silly to the, the serious. So, you know, props, lots of props on that one. I guess actually now that this is like a really, uh, a sidebar, but. I guess two other like performances where he's hamming it up is Django Unchained, if you've ever seen that, uh, uh, and then uh, Kong Skull Island, if you've ever seen that. He plays, he kind of is chewing scenery in that one too. I've debated seeing uh, Django, um, if because uh, um, oh god, I'm gonna screw it up. Walton Goggins is in it, and mm. uh, you know he's. He told this story. He, he was at Lexington Comic Con a few years ago, which I went to go see because he was in Justified. And, you know, I love Justified. But he, uh, he, he told the story. He said, Here I am. And I, I wish, he said, I wish I had more scenes in it. But the movie's called Django Unchained, not whatever the name of his character was, the movie. He said, but, you know, I'm shooting this scene, and I'm looking cool, man. Like, I got this hat that I picked out, and I got this cool coat, and I got this big gun I'm carrying around. I'm doing my scene, and I turn, and I look. He said, and there's all these people. There's Sam Jackson and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jamie Foxx, and all all these people are sitting in their chairs, and Tarantino's up on this ladder because he's trying to get the visual for the shot, and he totally loses in that movie, and he goes, holy hell, I'm in a Quentin Tarantino movie. (laughs) So, uh... If, I want to see it. I just have you seen Hateful Eight? No, I have not. Hateful I, Eight is uh, also a Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, Walt Goggins has a much bigger role. He's actually probably like he's arguably like the number two character. I had someone spoil the twist. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, I'll probably still see it because I like westerns. But have, okay, 
Um, can I go back and and throw uh, one of my my picks out, please? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you kind of mentioned him earlier, and it's who I was talking about with the continuity wank. And yes, everybody you like when it comes to writing comics, nobody bats a thousand. But this guy has done a really good job. And that is why on my list, I have Jeff Johns. So what would be your, mm. what would be, I know what your answer is probably going to be, but what would be your, what would be your top Jeff Johns like work? It's, yeah. okay. I love. I love his JSA run. That is some of my favorite comic stuff in history. But if I'm going to say what I think his best storytelling probably is, I, I would probably have to cave to pressure and say it's probably Blackest Night. See, I, Because I, the way the whole thing builds and comes together and goes to the resolution and every, like... The continuity wank is alive there in Black Hand and in Necron, right? Like, these were not big names prior, but he brought them back and made them, you know, they were a big deal in part of it. And the stakes in Blackest Night are just through the roof. But, and, and you know, there's lots of character stuff that ties in, like why the uh, the Black Lanterns can't bring back Dove and who they they do take over and all that sort of stuff. And that's, that's all really good and really enjoyable and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and you know, there's some, some continuity wank in that, but, and, and that's okay. It fits. It's just after a while, it's kind of like, gee, I wonder who this one's going to be. You know, is this a name I heard before? It is, because I've been reading comics for a long time, so here we are. So I'm going to say Sinestro Core War is better than Blackest Night, in my opinion. Okay, that's a... I'm probably going to say that... Uh, I'm probably going to stick with Blackest Night because it builds from Sinestro Core, but those they're both they're really good. You know what, you know what the one thing about DC that really upset me from this time period and they promised it and never delivered it is I never got my one shot of crypto versus Dexstar. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, that would have been Amazing. pretty wild. Uh, yeah. And Dexstar is like forgot to the ages now too. Yeah. That's the, which is a crime shame. There's, there is, Oddly, a lot to be mined out of what went from being a regular house cat to Atrocitus's cat. Mm -hmm. But uh, that it wasn't really followed up on or used. It's a real shame. Well, okay, so also his Teen Titans from the early 2000s is great. Just great. He does a great um, Superboy Mm -hmm. um his bart allen like he's the only one that really makes bart allen um kind of relatable and not annoying i think his tim drake's pretty strong um okay his his uh, this is going to go to the the jsa thing and i i know why it's because he poured his heart and soul into it but his star girl is really really good well i mean you would hope yeah I, like I said, he poured his heart and soul into that for a reason. 
but it is really good. And his um his take on Johnny Thunder and his death is really touching in JSA. Yeah. Yeah. I personally if I had to pick, I think I, I do think Sinestro Core War and Black Blackest Night. Um, I was kind of hating on major crossovers a little while back, but those two were actually really good, and I think yeah. I like both of them. I probably would say like his run on JSA to me is like the best, but it's really it's for a guy who's still relatively young. I mean, mm-hmm. he's under fifty when yeah. you know comparing him to someone like Dennis O'Neill, who's who was in comics, you know, like like fifty something plus years. Uh, Jeff Johns has such an incredible body of work that yeah. it's really hard to pick. I just personally like loved his JSA run. Yeah, I did too. I uh, did too, and I, I'll be honest, the reason that I didn't say the JSA run, even though it's some of my favorite comic stuff ever, is because I don't know if I can be fair about that. Right? Like, I don't... Yeah, it's subjective, but if I'm going to try and answer Brad's question with some sort of fidelity and say, what's the best? I'm trying to step back and, and be objective about it. But His strength, no, I, I think, is um, uh, the way he, like, like the black hand, like, mm-hmm. that was some, like, sea villain from, like, the 60s that he... Yeah. He made, like, a player for a couple of years. <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about with the, the continuity wank stuff. It's like, uh... You, because there's the follow-up, like, um, immediately after, there's a, there's the, I mean, following up Blackest Night's going to be hard enough, but immediately after following it up, there's there's this thing going around capturing all of the uh, the Lantern Corps entities, and I looked at that, and it, it, there's a little monologue, and I went, oh, it's Krona, and my brother's like, wait, what? And I'm like, just read it, and he goes, it's Krona, and guess what? It was Krona. Um it, it's it's really good. It just kind of gets to be a bit much sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I can appreciate it still, but it, you know, it gets to be a little bit much. And I even like his. Um, I think Star Girl's a really great creation, but I really I wanted to hate it, but he did a good job with him. But Simon Baz is a Green Lantern, like ended up being way better than I ever thought it would be. One of the things that I want to give Johns a lot of credit for is that he is, when it comes to creating new characters, he's really good about creating new characters. Because if we, uh, I mean, obviously Stargirl, but if we're going to go, um, the no, the number of things that are the new characters that came out of Sinestro Core and Blackest Night, right? Like in the... the um, you said Baz and Starman. He was also Starman. Um, God, I'm trying to hang on to it and not lose it, but I'm going to lose it. Ah, uh, damn. Um, oh, I, can I, can I, can I kind of interject one that I really loved? Yeah. Was bringing, um, fuck, was it Earth 2 Superman or was it, um, was it, um, it was Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah, Kingdom Come Superman. Yep, yeah, that was that was a really good use of that character. I really liked that. Um, like we said, Starman. That's actually one of my favorite scenes. Is is when they did the Lightning Returns thing, and Superman's visiting mm-hmm. Starman in the asylum. He checks himself out too, yeah. and he's like, he's like, you want some sloppy Joe? And Superman's like, 
sure. And then there, he's like carefully putting his straw in like a thing of milk afterwards. Yeah. Like that. There, there's this. There's like this wonderful scenes that I like. Game. It, I guess part of what made Justice Society so good is how the interplay. Okay, you know what? Screw it. I'm changing it. It's just it's his run on Justice Society. Screw Darkest Night. Screw Sinestro Court. Because it's not only the run about all of these characters not just getting along, but the mentorship relationships that they have, the family they build. The the thing they do with the freaking villains with Black Rain, where um, the crew that Black Adam recruits to go uh, take over Kondok, the, um, God, uh, bringing back the freaking Hour Man, like not just Rick and Rex Tyler, oh, but God, future Hour Man. I can't, I can't, that, I, that, oh man, like, I, if... I'm never when when my if when my dad finally passes away, I'm never going to be able to read the Hour Man and his dad subplot. I know, right? Oh my god, that like, that just and it, um it, no, you don't understand, like, because I I read I read the the run again recently, and it's like yeah, I, it's like he stepped on glass and like shoved it right into my heart. Like it is it is it is brutal. Like the 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 Hour Man stuff. Because um, he gets like the, an hour with his dad, and like the the one yeah. that's the, the I don't remember what issue it is, but when he just goes there and his dad's like, well, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I just want to talk to you, dad, and spend time with you." And then like there's that like realization and everything, like oh god, like it's just it is it is so well written. Yeah, um, and the you're you're right, it, it absolutely, and and the way. That the future hour man goes out, awesome, and um, the uh, God, I mean, the way that the the other villains were brought in, the fact that he had a good way of bringing in per degaton, and the fact that he was able to use like the the um, oh God, what were what were they called the the like neo Nazi group? Oh, the Third Reich. The no, Fourth Reich. Sorry. I thought Reich, okay. The way that they were brought in, and incre- and it, it brought in Nate Haywood. Like, he creates good characters, and he ties them in, and they have these relationships, and this whole thing, and the villains are hateful sons of bitch villains, but they're also, like, really good. And then... Adam Smasher? Like, they brought... Adam Smasher, it was so good. And the, um... The, uh, uh, uh... The way that they brought, uh, oh, Mr. Terrific, the legacy character, Mr. Tr- and, and Dr. Midnight, like the relationship between the two of them. Good Lord, I could just keep going, but I, I love it. It's just that, that run of Justice Society, I have all the trades on my shelf. And then I bought one of them that came after it, and I was so disgusted, I debated Throwing it in the trash the, instead of taking it back. The one year later um, thing with Gentleman Ghost. No. The godforsaken storyline about the dystopian future where um, the Third Reich like succeeded and took over and and has crushed America and is like, you know, it's, it's the, the Nazis have taken over the world with their their bullshit 
power dampening machine that they can adjust the radius on and crap like that. It's 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 awful. Oh, like it is insultingly bad. I want to I want to bring up one of his uh, more. It wasn't as commercially successful, but I feel like it was very quality and uh, his Hawkman run around the same time as JSA. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would Hawkman agree. Good? He he was the one that oversaw the original storyline, like the storyline that went into DC Universe Online, which should have been done so much better than it did. Like that's the storyline in it is great. You know they they actually but have it on Nintendo they Switch rushed now. That so much, don't do they? Yeah, they just rushed getting it out, and so there were so many bugs. And. Uh, I bought it at launch because I was like, this is going to be great. And then there's just so many damn bugs. It's always one I've meant to try. It kind of got crushed in that like MMO glut of like the early 2010s, like right before it all crashed. Yeah. Yeah, it did. But it's okay. So there you go. Oh, and his flash Jeff run is, is really good, too. I, I just think that he's really good at being able to understand the thing we were talking about earlier, he's able to to grasp the heart of characters and, and like hang on to the spirit behind and it. And I think um I think he has something that a really good comics writer needs. Um he has a genuine love for a lot of the characters he's using. Yeah. Like I think that's yeah. why I think that's why he was successfully able to revive Hal Jordan is just because he had a real affection for him yeah yeah it was yeah so who wants to do another one um i'll just do one as like a kind of like an honorable mention because he he's kind of more moved towards just being like a novelist but i would put um i put neil gaiman on my list just for the sandman oh, run yeah sandman's great he did a. Uh, he's done us. He's done some other good stuff. Like he did. Um, he did like some. Uh, he did books of magic. Uh, and I think which which let's let's just be honest here. Um, J.K. Rowling, you owe him a couple billion dollars for ripping off books of magic. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, and the, even the main character looks alike. Oh, they look exactly alike. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and books of magic predated Harry Potter, but yeah, like by like, like five years. She basically kind of did, you know. I didn't think about that, but yeah, she basically ripped off Harry Potter. Um, but I'd, honestly, I would just I, he'd be on my list just for uh, his run on Sandman, which at the time was very kind of groundbreaking. Uh, there was a lot of really good stuff happening, like the late '80s, early '90s, in terms of like kind of more independent type yeah. stuff. Sandman was part of the Vertigo line, which was published by DC Comics, but they basically just kind of let him do what he wanted to do. Um, really early on in the series, it kind of was trying to like connect to the DC universe. They had a, there was a storyline with um, oh God, I can't remember the Batman villain. God, I'm trying to. I'll have to like give me a second. Uh, to figure out which one it was, Doctor Destiny. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you now. If you ever there, there was like a three or four issue, maybe it was less than that, but it was a, an issue in like the first few episodes of Sandman that had Doctor Destiny 
who has the power of kind of basically it's almost like a mind control power who's like a reality warper type thing but he basically goes into like a diner and forces people to do horrible terrible things and it was really a shocking like graphic comic at the time yeah uh and that was kind of but that after that kind of strayed away from like dc comics characters and just did its own thing but it was really like fascinating kind of like a dark fantasy series it was great uh and that kind of basically like launched his career he did um I think he, did, he might have done some Hellblazer stuff. I think everyone's done some Hellblazer stuff, which I, I yeah, I, I I haven't read all of it, but I really do love. I really do love the John Constantine stuff. Mm-hmm. He did some. He did a Judge Dread issue. I'm looking at some of his stuff now. Um, let's see, Black Orchid, Batman, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, which is really great. Sandman, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 a lot of Sandman. <laughs> Books of Magic, Children's Crusade, Tragical Comedy of Comical Tragedy of Mr. Punch or Romance. He did a Stardust thing. Oh, Miracle Man. That was his big deal. Yeah. Alan Moore did Miracle Man, too. Yeah. Eternals. Uh, but he's on- Eternals was was good stuff. Yeah. I don't think I ever read that. It's getting a movie. Well, yeah. Uh, and then he's done a lot of, obviously he's, he's focused more on, um, novels. Yeah. If you want, if you want a good Neil Gaiman novel, and I would say it's one of my top 10 favorite novels of all time is American gods. That's a great novel. They turned it into a, uh, a, a series for stars. And, my wife and I have watched it's done two seasons. We've watched them and it, there were points in the show that were decent, but it's just kind of like an incomprehensible mess. I I don't, it doesn't really follow the storyline of the books per se. And it's just started going on. It's gotten, it, the show isn't great in my opinion. I've, I've heard good things about the, the uh, the book. It's a very morose I, um, tale. Right. The sad thing about the show is that it actually has some really, in my opinion, genius uh, casting. Mm-hmm. It's got a, uh, it's got Ian McShane playing Mister Wednesday, and I think that's like inspired. Like he's great, and it's got a, uh, it's got Crispin Glover as Mister World, and he's just weird <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, and they actually have uh, Pablo Wait, Crispin Schreiber. Glover's weird? What? Yeah. They actually have uh, Pablo Schreiber playing the character of Matt Sweeney. He's actually Lee Schreiber's brother. And he actually, his character was really fascinating, at least in the first season. They kind of went off the rails in the second. But it's not a great show, but it has like some good stuff. It has Peter Stormare in there as Zernabog. And Peter Stormare is kind of always fun. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know how that. Do you go back to? I didn't know how that would work God. as a show or a movie. It hasn't. It didn't really work that great. Yeah. To go back to Constantine, uh, this movie I think did okay at the box office. But have have you guys ever seen the the two thousand five Constantine film no, with Keanu, Keanu Reeves? No, Keanu Reeves is like an instant checkout for me. Really, I. I 
you know, back in the day, I probably hated on Keanu Reeves' films. And then I actually sat down one time. I was like watching, maybe I was watching this film. So I watched some film that he was in. And I'm like, wait, how many Keanu Reeves films have I seen? And I actually like went down his like filmography. And I realized I've seen like, <laughs> like just about all of his films. And I'm like, oh, God, shit, I guess I'm a, I'm a Keanu Reeves fan. <laughs> I actually love him in the, I mean, uh, this is not a, an unpopular opinion, but I love him in the John Wick films. He's oh, great at this. Uh, and if you actually like read up on Keanu Reeves, he actually is like a, actually like a good human being. Mm-hmm. But to talk about the film Constantine, it's actually a, a much better film that you would give it credit for. It's actually pretty good. There's a weird thing. Uh, and that, there's a weird mm-hmm. thing with, um, especially in the comics world they've been doing with Hellblazer, they've been really trying to like soften him up. And it's like, you really can't do that. He does not work if you like, like they try to put him in like Justice League Dark and stuff. And they try to bring him into like the proper DC. And it's just like, no, like he's like a, dick yeah this Constantine version that Keanu Reeves is playing it's if you go into it just enjoying the film for what it is that's better he's not really like the comic book mm-hmm. yeah uh, there is um there, they did a live action Constantine TV show like a couple years back that failed yeah it's gonna get picked back up is it because the, yeah. they brought they actually brought the character into the Arrowverse they did and, and he's Actually, no, I don't think he's that bad. He's not. The Arrowverse, something that I, I my position on the Arrowverse is, look, if you're going to get, like, seriously bent out of shape about being super accurate to count, you're you're going to have a bad time. But if you just sit back and enjoy that this is, I don't know, maybe kind of an Elseworld tale, or this is, you know, just sit back and say, hey, I, I hope that I can watch The Flash and enjoy it, you can I can't do it with Arrow. Arrow's... Forget I, that. I thought but, The Flash was okay, but my problem with Arrow is Oliver Queen is just irredeemable in that show. Because we've talked about it on this show as, like, he's all Mr. Fight the Power, so I'm just going to mass murder these guys probably making $20 an hour that are just trying to do their job, so I'm going to fucking murder them to show the man who's boss. Like, it's just... It bothers me. Well, that and the, um, okay, they went so far afield. Okay, look, I I get that what I just said, right? Like, if you're going to get too hung up on continuity, you're not going to have a good time. But there's there's another piece to it of you kind of, you would look at it and say, okay, I kind of know how, um... I kind of know how, you know, Green Arrow works. Green Arrow and Black Canary, so Oliver Queen and, and um, Dinah get, you know, they they end up together, right? Like, it's it's this back-and-forth tumultuous thing, but that's, that's part of them. And then they're like, oh, by the way, uh, that character that people who know about the comics um, expect Oliver to be in it, we killed her because we weren't sure who else to kill and it's that that right there i was immediately just like no no just just forget it because that that was done she was she was sacrificed on the altar of of um if, if you believe the scuttlebutt tumblr fans 
Because it was like, no, you have to get Oliver together with Felicity. Wait, and I'm they're like, not Tumblr why? fans. Matt, will you will you tell Shad what the proper terminology for those people are? Was it was it childless, childless weirdos? No, shippers. Oh, shippers. Oh, that's yeah. what they killed her for, is because because you know they I, shippers are weird. They get like weird and like really threatening with people. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, and and there there, there were people. Just to cut you off, Shad. There are people who, I guess, after I I I this is probably spoilers, but. I haven't seen the film, but I know the the ending. But like after the last Star Wars film, uh, spoiler alert, uh, I guess uh, Kylo Ren dies. Yeah, yeah. And so the whole Kylo Ray storyline, like yeah, they can't have like this beautiful romance. Uh, and there were people who apparently like were absolutely insane about that to the point I think where they were even harassing like Daisy Riddle on social media, and it's like I think they harassed you, you, her you, off of social media for a while wow it's like you you idiots do realize this is this is a completely fictional story about space wizards fighting with laser swords like just if you just go write fan fiction if you want the characters to be together people are insane yes they are and it's there are there's too many cases of uh, the star wars like fandom just going just Balls up blatantly toxic, and it's it's crazy, and it has very much turned me off in a lot of ways to, to being a part of that anymore. But um, it's okay. They did that. It's okay. It's, Disney it, Disney ran that ship. They saw they saw the mountain coming right at them, and they're like, "No, no, we don't need to pull up. It'll be fine." They were through this whole trilogy. They are the dog in the fire. <laughs> So, um, anyway, that's, that's, that was a long way of saying that I'm good with the Arrowverse except for Arrow. Like, I know that was a long way to get there. No, that's fine. We could, one of these days we need to do a show on, like, bad comic, um, adaptations. Adaptations? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the problem is you're gonna, it'll, it'll degenerate into the three of us just, like, angrily screaming and, and pointing like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, I, I honestly like, Hollywood has screwed so much stuff out, they've beaten the outrage out of me at this point. Like, I'm just a beaten dog. Like, Star Wars, like, I was done after the prequels. I'm not even that upset about the new oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. That's, just like, of course I they was screwed done after it up. The prequels. Yeah. That was done after the prequels, too. Uh Oh, wait. Hang on. Counterpoint real quick. There was one case where a Hollywood adaptation actually improved a little bit, and that was the new 52 Shazam, because it took Billy from being a jerk-off into him being a likable uh, you know, character that you could kind of understand. So, I will say... Okay. Um, there. Saving grace. I will say... I'm willing to give that all to Sandberg, though. I will say... Um, the Christopher Nolan Batmans didn't improve the source material, but it did its own thing in a really good way. But I will say, I've spent my entire, however long I've read Batman now, just waiting for it to be as good as Batman the Animated Series. And it's never just, quite executed I, I, at that I, level. 
I just I don't even bother because it's Batman the Animated Series. That's always Look, going to be. I, I, I chase the dragon where I may. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna okay, I'm actually gonna sir. throw a twofer out there because we're gonna start wrapping this up. So I figured we could throw a couple of quick ones out there. Um, I'm assuming you guys haven't read most of their work, but so I'm gonna do a twofer. I'm gonna do Bill Willingham and Stan Sakai. Um, Stan Sakai does mm. Usagi Ujimbo, which is actually one of my favorite series of all time. It is so. Don't think of it as a comedy book. Like you're gonna see the fuzzy animals and think like, oh, this is um, this is a silly book. So Usagi Ujimbo is a Ronin who travels the countryside, and it's just it's about his adventures. There's there's a large cast of characters that come and go. He has adventures. You know, there's violence and intrigue and stuff. It's just a really quality series that's gone on since the early 80s. Um, Bill Willingham does Fables, which is mm-hmm. might if, if if there's something better than Watchmen in American comics, I would probably put Fables up there as something that's almost as good as Watchmen. So what Fables is, is... um these fairy tales got chased from their lands and they're living in a farm in upstate New York. And if you've played, um, werewolf among us, it originated from this because the big bad wolf is, um, is pretty much a PI. And, um, it goes from, it goes from there. Like pretty much it's, it's modern day recreations of, um, of the fairy tales and unfortunately i don't think this will ever get like an outside media recreation because once upon a time and grim kind of stole the idea and botched it they basically completely yeah completely stole it and just made it a terrible show that somehow got like seven seasons um but yeah fables was great fables to me i i read i I didn't read the entire series but i read most of it and to me it was kind of very much in that realm of like Sandman as like a dark fantasy that could be very serious but also like fun and very human yeah Shad if you haven't read it I recommend that one I I haven't it'll go on my list Yeah. I swear I try and work my list down I really do it just takes a while and then I have uh, I have one other one I'll just throw in my thing um, Jolly Blackburn who does Knights of the Dinner Table which is um, it started in Dragon Magazine. It's pretty much like it's pretty much a comedy about D and D players, and it, it has running stories in the comics and other groups. But they pretty much just get into shenanigans. Like there's Bob and Dave. Like he'll be like, "This villager is coming at you with flowers," and Bob's like, "I waste them with my crossbow." And then you have yeah. Ryan, who's like the rules lawyer and then they get into these long debates about it. Then you have Sarah who is, um, she pretty much tries to role play and like, you know, take the group above, but also if something goes against her, she's not above resorting to violence. And then their, um, their DM's name is BA and he, you know, he has his issues too, but it's a lot of text, but if you can get some trades of it, like in it, and you've played D and D, it's hilarious because you probably had like a similar situation. I was going to say it sounds like it's just built on archetypes of players you've you've played with. Like, there's literally one where they come across of a gazebo and they like freak out and they and they just keep casting detect evil on it and then they burn it down just because why wouldn't you? 
Well, you the the thing is, you must face the gazebo alone. Yeah, or there's one where they got in a fight with like a mundane squirrel, and he failed his role, and the squirrel like KO'd him. <laughs> God, oh those roles. Um, okay, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw one here real quick, and I'm gonna put a star next to it, and and whenever I do it, it'll make sense. I'm gonna put this name out there, and I'm gonna say this is a name that we're gonna talk about. Again, later, uh, Mark Wade. And we're going to talk about Mark Wade again later because I think we already mentioned that we're going to do a Kingdom Come uh, read or review. Yeah. Yep. So um, I have my, my like, John's and this other one on my list occupy the top, like, next to each other. So I can either do that now or I can sit on it if you guys have more in the chamber you want to throw out. I kind of feel like we could do a part two on some of this stuff, honestly. Some of it, yeah. Because there's, there's uh, a lot to dig into Mark Wade, like his Daredevil run, his Flash run, his uh, yep. uh, Tower of Babylon storyline, which I think is... Oh, yes, Tower mm. of Babel. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else is... Um, um, his, I mean, his Mark Wade gets four. his spot on my list. Mark Wade gets his spot on my list simply for Kingdom Come. I love Kingdom Come that much. I, I will legitimately say, like, I haven't read some of his more recent stuff, but there, I would say there was from about 1995 to 2014 when I started kind of not reading as much modern stuff. I would be hard pressed, other than the stupid Westworld return to Flash that they totally sabotaged, I would be hard pressed to name um to name a mark wade comic that i did not enjoy mm-hmm. like you know who he's in company with that if his name is on a comic book it would not matter what it was i would probably at least consider buying it the only other person that gets that from me is peter david okay mm. well um okay this other one we can because uh, we're going to wrap soon, but this other one um, is, uh, like I said, he sits right up there with John's for me in the in the quality of his writing. Is this one we've talked about at length before. Yeah, yeah, it's Kurt Busiek. Yep. Um, there was a time with him where he was at Marvel and he was writing Avengers, Iron Man, and Thunderbolts, which were like my three favorite books at the time, and I've like loved him ever since. I love Kurt Busiek basically straight up on the shoulders of Astro City uh, because I think Astro City is so good. I I enjoy it so much that it's it, it I just I love Astro City and the characters in it are so good and I know I've done this rant before so I'm not going to do it again but that's Busiek is is right up there. I said I wasn't going to do it again. I'm not. I mean it. I mean it this time. Do you have any other ones that um you're super for for honorable mention? Uh, <laughs> for honorable mention, I'll put Paul Dini on the list. Uh, <laughs> no, he's done his 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 comic stuff yeah. has been good. Yes, it is. And uh, let's see. 
where what was I looking at that he was on that uh oh god. I can't find it right now, but Paul Paul Dini goes on my list as an honorable mention. Not um not quite enough to to crack my top five, but he definitely goes on the list. How about let's let's talk about him because I just mentioned his name. How about Peter David? Um he did the Aquaman where he had the pirate hook, he did the weekly action comics. He did that huge run on the Hulk, X Factor. I didn't really love Hook Aquaman. Um, and I even had the issue where uh, he he got the hook. Because I was in a fight with uh, a new villain, I think, that was called Charybdis. I believe so. Who just just came out of nowhere and then curb stomped Aquaman. So I'm, I was kind of annoyed with that at the time. But, um, I don't know, it, it just, I like, the the New 52 reboot actually did, like, I thought it did wonders for Aquaman, because I thought it made him a better character. And it's Johns again doing it, so of course, you know, and, there we and go. And he had, he did, he, one of my favorite DC books is a Peter David project, which is Young Justice. Oh, Yeah. That's a really good point. And his Hulk run is long. Like I think he did like eleven or twelve years of Hulk comics. Mm-hmm. And X Factor, I mean, forever he's been on X Factor. Like X Factor is his thing. Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to <laughs> it's kind of hard to narrow down. Yeah. Right. Uh, Matt, do you have a like quick quick like? Uh, I don't, because I feel like the ones I would maybe have left on my list would we could probably go into for a while. So I'm gonna okay. defer. Okay. Um, yeah. I was. What do you, What do you guys like? Um, like, there's some guys like I that would not make my list, but you know, are very influential. Like Stan Lee hasn't aged well, but if you go back and read that stuff, it's very. Um, you really see the influence he had on on modern comics yeah. his, his creations are so great um i think roy thomas is is a fun one james robinson even though he has his problems mm. sometimes i i really love uh his star was it starman that he did like for 80 issues um yeah it was yeah um broke kirby in for that for the uh the impact and all the the long lasting uh, contributions and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think because I feel like I'm missing someone obvious. Oh, um, Thomas A. really writes a lot of stuff I've loved over the years. I ain't got that for you. <laughs> he did. He did like Green Lantern Corps. Um, he just did the recent like Superman run. He's done a bunch. If you if you oh, okay. saw his name on stuff. Uh, you would see a lot of it. Uh, Ed Brubaker for his cap run, which was legit great. Robert Kirk. I, I know Brubaker's name, but uh, oh, Kirkman. Kirkman. Kirkman used to live mm. where I live. But Walking uh, Dead and Invincible, I would say, are his Magnus opuses, which are great. Like, um, I, I kind of with Walking Dead, I only made it about a hundred issues, and then he had kind of killed off too many people for my taste. But um. Uh, there was a good eight-year period where Walking Dead was, like, must-read for me. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, Kirkman. Um, man, that that is <laughs> that is a lot of impact in one name yeah. right there. Now I'm going to I'm going to end it on someone who, if his name is on a comic book, I will not buy it. And I, I'm pretty sure Matt's going to agree with me on this one. But uh, Mark Miller is a is an automatic Mark Millar. Yeah, Millar, sorry, yes. automatic <laughs> no buy for me because he yeah. sucks. He is a tryhard. Um, thinks he is so like, you know, he, he's pretty much like a professional edge lord that's about twenty years too old to be an edge lord. <laughs> you know, he's past the point where it's kind of like not cute anymore. Uh, if you want to like some of the liner notes from some of the stuff he's done, notes for the artists, you read that and you're just like, you're you're gonna throw up in your mouth a little bit. Yeah, like it's it's you look at the art and you're like, why are they doing this? And then someone puts the notes out there and you're like, he told them to do this. Oh, yeah, and he took over. Someone that should have been on my list that we probably should have mentioned. He took over for Warren Ellis on the authority and immediately fucked it all up because he didn't understand what Warren Ellis is going for because he's a tryhard edgelord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did some stuff which I kind of enjoyed like initially in the Ultimate Marvel Universe. But I think that's actually a good description of him, that he's kind of just like a an edgelord. He he would eventually just do stuff that it's like you're just trying to be edgy. You're you're doing things almost like for shock value. Yeah. Whereas other people like Alan Moore, uh, Grant Morrison have written things that are like actually like disturbing or dark or graphically violent, but it kind of made more sense. They, they weren't just trying to like shock do like yeah. you know, shock people. There was context to it. Like, the killing joke is, like, about what the Joker would really be like and, you know, is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the, uh, I'll give you a name that's on a uh, I will not buy list real quick, and that is um, Doug Monek, or uh, Doug Monk. M-O-E-N-C. Yeah, Doug Munch. I know that name. What this did he is- do? This is the guy that wrote the godforsaken waste of ink and paper that was JLA Act of God. Ew. Yeah. That vomit-inducing mess. Oh, man. It just, just If you see his name on something, don't pay for it. Cause I don't want that man getting more work. It is awful. It is the worst. Like, I was, I, was, I was crapping on Cry for Justice earlier. This is like that tier of garbage. And it's, it's, you know what, I, I, it would be better, just, just Google Linkara Act of God, and he will have a way better rant about how awful it is than I can do in the time we got left. (laughs) Just, he's going to wind up, and he's going to swing for the fences, and he's going to hit the fences, because it is horrible. You know, the sad thing is, I don't even, like, I don't follow as close now, I'll still read some stuff if I um, someone like, like I'm kind of reading X Men again because they got Jonathan Hickman in, who's really great to write it. But because like they don't pay well anymore, like I don't really recognize a lot of the writer names. And then you read something by them, and you're just like, this is not good. Like you don't know yeah. what comic books are, do you? 
Like, never mind. Like, like they must be, you must have gotten, like, a McDonald's meal for the, whatever you just turned in. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, that's, there you go. The problem with this, the oh. problem with this subject, though, is there's so many people, like, I have such an affection for, like, uh, we talked about the tick, like, um, or even, like, someone like Larry Hama, who does, like, G.I. Joe, like, just there's so many guys like that that I just have, like, a true... Oh, no, I'll tell you one I do love, though. It's Christopher Priest. I uh, can't place that name. Uh, he did Black Panther in the late 90s. He did, um... Um... He did, he's did, he just did some Justice League stuff. Um, he's doing okay. um, Deathstroke right now. And then who was it that who okay. was it that died suddenly a couple years ago that really tore me up? Oh, um he did he did um Static Shock. Dwayne McDuffie? Okay. Is that his name, Matt? Uh I don't know. Let me look him up. Well, it, like you said, this can get pretty wide and it was narrowing it down to the five took or, yeah, narrowing it down to five took a bit of work. Um, I don't mind admitting that it was, uh, yeah, it was Dwayne McDuffie. He did, um, static shock. He did justice league unlimited. He was big in the milestone comics thing. Okay. He did a uh, damage control. So, yeah, but like you said, it's a very, um, it's a very, a very, there very wide it's a wide swath yeah. yeah so listen um we'd love to hear from you guys uh about this um you know what agree disagree is there someone you think we missed um hit us up on social media and i know we're going to be doing another uh comic episode coming up in the not distant future i believe i believe it's am i remembering correctly uh, i'd have to look at our timeline it's within the next month to six weeks i think we're doing kingdom come okay which i really love kingdom come uh yeah we have a time <laughs> so we'll be digging into that we have a timeline but anytime i do a timeline it gets pretty much shot within like two weeks yeah so all right guys well i will uh we will we'd love to hear from you on our, all of our social media accounts um and hey this has been Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we would love to hear from you. And we'll catch you next time.